Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I'm excited to be back. Uh, excuse me for my leave of absence uh, <clears throat> from uh, Wednesday's episode. Uh, so I tell you this. Uh, I hope everybody is having a good day, having a fine day. I tell you this, though. Uh, <laughs> I moved into my college dorm. I moved into my dorm. And I've just been trying to set up some things, you know, get my dorm straight before school starts, before the before the semester starts, and so forth. So <clears throat> I've been um, I, that that that's why I miss Wednesday episode. So sorry for the leave of absence. Sorry that uh, <laughs> I didn't give an update um, or a reminder on the previous episode that I was gonna have to miss Wednesday's episode. But this is a Saturday episode, so you guys know how we give it up. Saturday episodes, it's a lot, a lot has been brewing. Um, you know, some quarterback situations have been solved. We know we know the starters for some of these quarterbacks for some of these teams. Uh, they named their starters for day one for week one. Uh so you know, a lot to get into. College football also starts this weekend. So it's in it I mean, granted, <clears throat> over the, like this over the last week or so. You know, there, there hasn't been much to talk about. Obviously, you know, you have baseball going on. Um, we're getting closer and closer to, you know, the end of the baseball season, uh, of the regular season. Uh, you know, soccer, there's been some big news around soccer. Uh, but it's been it's been real quiet. Uh, you know, we're preseason about to end and finish. Uh, you know, we're getting we're inching closer and closer and closer to the NFL season. So I can't wait. I'm excited for that. Um, and you can always tell we're getting closer and closer because college football is about to start. College football is about to kick off. So, you know, when college football kicks off, the NFL is right around the corner and we're so much closer. So, um, but first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt of the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, as I said, uh, <laughs> my, I'm in my dorm, <laughs> pretty nice setup and so forth. So I can't wait to get into it. And we're gonna let's start. The, let's start it off with Cam Newton and the Patriots. I want to start off with Cam Newton and the Patriots and their quarterback situation, uh, because <clears throat> you guys know uh, throughout the course of the preseason, I've been focusing on uh, the rookie quarterbacks. I've been focused on the rookie quarterbacks. What these rookies look like. Uh, you know, been give you guys my thoughts, my takes. You guys knew my thoughts and my opinions heading into um, heading into this rookie class, but now you know we're getting we're getting closer to the NFL season. You know, teams are naming naming uh, you know week one starters as I mentioned. Uh, the Jaguars they announce uh, Trevor Lawrence will start uh, week one. Obviously, Zach Wilson will start for the Jets. Obviously. Um, Justin Fields will not start. He's going to be QB2 behind Andy Dalton. So Andy Dalton will get the nod. But I want to focus on two situations. I'm going to focus on New England first, and then I'm going to get to San Francisco. New England, the Patriots. So Tom Curran of the Patriots of NBC Sports uh, works in the Boston area, uh, a lot of I'm sure a lot of a lot of my Boston listeners are very very familiar with Tom Karen um, and the work that he does. Reliable reporter, and basically, I've read I was le- I was reading some of his stuff and you know some of his reports and you know his news, and he he's saying Mac Jones is lighted up. Mac Jones is having he, he's having a pretty good preseason as we see, but then. 
though, you know, those, the, the, the practices and the training camps and the scrimmages, I feel like if, I wish we could like get those scrimmages, those scrimmages between two different teams. I wish those could be televised, but, but granted Tom Kern, Mac Jones, he says, Mac, he says it's over. He said, this thing is over. And he, when he means this thing is over, he's referring to the quarterback battle between Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Now, both have played really good throughout the preseason, but there's been one slip-up. There's been one slip-up on Cam Newton's behalf. And with Mac Jones, Mac Jones, I told you guys all this. I told you guys this going, you know, going into the draft. I told you guys this after the after the Patriots drafted Mac Jones at 15. I talked about it after uh Mac Jones preseason debut. Mac Jones fits he better fits what new england wants to do offensively that's just a fact better mac jones pockets his pocket presence him being a pure pocket passer him being uh, a accurate more accurate quarterback and thrower of the football did cam newton him being able to make anticipatory throws Cause we and that was and 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 as you know, a lot of people think I hate on Mac Jones or I'm down on Mac Jones. I'm not necessarily down on Mac Jones. I just think his ceiling is lower than the other guys in his draft class. You know, specifically in the first round. But I think Mac Jones can play and produce at, in this league. I really do. And you, in in New England, I think he can. And I thought New England was the perfect spot. He fits what New England wants to do, and New England's offense fits his strengths. So it, 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 it's it's a perfect match. It's a perfect match. And I talk about, and you guys know, over the last couple episodes, I've been talking about how quarterbacks, these rookie quarterbacks, are going to be asked, all of them are going to be asked to do different things. All of them are going to be asked to do different things, and some of them are going to be put in uncomfortable in unfortunate situations. For Mac Jones, he's going to be put in situations that he's going to be comfortable in. They're not going to ask him to be this prolific passer because that's, quite frankly, that's what that, that, that New England's offense doesn't require you to be a throw, you know, to be a guy that throws for 400 yards, you know? So Mac Jones does all of the things, all of the quintessential things that this Patriots offense requires requires you to do offensively obviously cam so when it comes to cam newton in this quarterback battle uh to see who's going to be the starter between mac jones and himself you never want to make it easy on the coach you never want to make it easy on the coach to make a decision and with with both of the quarterbacks play mac jones and cam newton they both have played well in the preseason they both have played well so they have not made so up until this point they have not made it easy on Bill Belichick. Granted, there's some people out there that may think, you know, that may um, be against the fact that Belichick is even thinking about starting Mac Jones week one. But as I've stated earlier, previously, he Mac Jones fits perfectly what Josh McDaniels want to do offensively. He fits perfectly. So. I'm not I'm not necessarily counting out the fact that Bella I'm not counting out the fact that Belichick is actually giving it some consideration for Mac Jones being the starter week one. But Cam Newton, 
has played pretty well in the preseason. Now, this past offseason, Cam Newton signed a $3.5 million contract. Granted, he didn't have much leverage to, you know, get a bigger deal due to the due to the play that we saw this past season. And some people go crazy like, oh, look at the Seahawks game. He was he was throwing the football well in the Seahawks game. I'm like, oh, that's first, that's one game. Secondly, the Seahawks secondary all year long was atrocious. Their pass defense was amongst the worst in the league. So he did that on a subpar defense, and that was only one game. If you look at the, the entirety of the season where he played, granted he caught COVID, but look at the passing numbers prior to COVID. They weren't great. They weren't great at all. So Cam didn't have much leverage to get, to negotiate a bigger deal than he got, than the $3.5 million deal that he got. So that's that. But you would think for a guy, Cam Newton, like last year, his season kind of took a turn um, when he caught COVID. So you would think a guy that caught COVID last year and it hurt him during the season because he couldn't play, you would think the following year where he's in a quarterback battle, you would think that he would try to cover up and tie up all loose ends. So that isn't a problem. Well, Cam Newton didn't. Cam Newton didn't at all. Due to Cam Newton's absence to COVID, I think Cam Newton has made Bill Belichick's decision a little bit easier. I think he has. For the reasons I stated. Cam Newton, he's not he, like Cam Newton is a playmaker. He gives he he gives New England a playmaking element that they lack that Mac Jones necessarily doesn't give them, which is his legs and his athletic ability. But as far as a pure pocket passer, Mac Jones is a little bit better. Mac Jones is a, is, is 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 more he's more accurate. Mac Jones is more efficient. Mac Jones is able to make those anticipatory throws. The biggest knock on Cam Newton throughout his career has been him not being accurate enough, him not being efficient. That's been the biggest thing. That's been the biggest knock. You look at his MVP year. Cam Newton, his MVP, that was his best year as a pro. He, had, he only had a 59 completion percentage that year. He wasn't so even his best year as a pro, as a quarterback in the National Football League, he wasn't even. He he was he was throwing below sixty percent. He was complete. He was completing below sixty percent of his passes. So he's made the decision a bit easier for Bill Belichick. I think just looking at everything, hearing the news about Mac Jones, his maturity, looking at his strengths, looking at how he's performing during the preseason, and the fact that Cam Newton is absent due to COVID again when he ran into this same problem last year and it cost him, you would think in a position battle where he wants to be QB1, because I'm sure Cam, the competitor in him, I'm sure he wants to be QB1. He wants to be the starter. Well, his absence may very well put that in danger. That's very, that that that, that you know, him being the starter is very well in danger and some would probably argue that he shouldn't be the starter, and he's probably not. 
we'll see how it develops and how it plays out. But it's kind of telling. What, like, take this. Ron Rivera, coach of the Washington football team, but prior to coaching the Washington football team, he um he was coach, he was he was Cam Newton's coach for nine years in Carolina. Ron Rivera's been looking for a quarterback. He hasn't called Cam Newton yet. Even in Buffalo, look at take, take a look at Buffalo. Buffalo's coaching staff. Buffalo's co- and you see what they've done to Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky, granted it's preseason, but Mitch Trubisky looked like a whole new quarterback. He looked like a whole new person. That Buffalo, that Buffalo coaching staff used to work in Carolina. They didn't give Cam Newton a call. So I know that's only two teams. That's only two, that's only two coaching, you know, two two teams. But it it's very, it's very, very interesting how previous coaches that have coached Cam Newton have yet to give him a call. And now he's fine, he finds himself in this predicament as far as his starting job or his chances at getting the starter job starting job is put in jeopardy due to COVID and he ran into this same problem last year. Ah, I don't know. But I don't think Belichick is too happy about that. And it may very well cause Cam Newton the starters the starting position week one versus the Dolphins. A Dolphins team who's gotten better. A Dolphins team who won 10 games last year. A Dolphins team with you know un- under Brian Flores. Brian Flores, another year coaching under his belt. Real, real costly. Really cost really costly for Cam Newton and his COVID absence once again. Now, mind you, I'm not saying Cam Newton shouldn't be the starter. I'm not saying Mac Jones should be. But when you're in a predicament as like Cam Newton, who Veteran quarterback, and we've seen this story unfold and unplayed so many times. Veteran quarterback, you know, gets hurt, misses, uh, you know, misses some time, and the guy who's behind them comes in and they play well. Like, like so, like what, like I said, that's why I mentioned the contract because Cam, like, they're like if New England was if they signed Cam to like a big deal, then they would. There was some, there would be some type of obligation where he would have to play, right? But he's on a three and a half million dollar deal, and like I said, his play last season, you he didn't have any leverage to 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 negotiate a, a bigger salary or a higher salary. He didn't have any, he didn't have any leverage. So when so when you're making three and a half million dollars, when you're a veteran quarterback and you miss time, and granted, it's not an injury, but it's COVID related. And you miss a couple key practices, a couple key preparation dates, and the guy behind you is ready, and he he takes advantage of the opportunity in the moment. You're 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 vulnerable to lose your job, and it's going to go into my next topic about the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I think I think Garoppolo has lost his confidence. Um. I, I don't think Cam has lost his confidence, but he, he his his weaknesses are now showing more. Granted, you know, with him not being the superior athlete um, that he once was, his weaknesses are showing more. So, in a, in, in in an offense that requires him to be accurate and efficient, that's only going to put his weaknesses 
it's only going to put his weaknesses. Um, it's only going to show it more. So just looking at all of it, I mean, like I said, Tom Kern is reliable. You know, I, I think Mac Jones, and I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying Mac Jones should. I'm not saying starting Mac Jones is the right choice. I'm not saying that. But he does fit what New England wants to do. He's taken advantage of the opportunity. He's played well in preseason. He, 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 he's taking advantage of what is being given to him. And, he, you know, it's just a lost opportunity for Cam. It's just a lost opportunity for Cam. Simple as that. But let's go into the 49ers. Um, because the 49ers, it, this the topic that I was talking about with Cam Newton, kind of fits in with the 49ers situation as well, where veteran quarterback, granted, uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo's situation in case, um, he seems to be a little bit more valuable at this point. Uh, with him making twenty, I think he, you know, he has a pretty long. He does. He has a larger deal. He has a bigger deal than Cam Newton, so he's more valuable. Um, at at this point, at this juncture, and um, with Jimmy Garoppolo's problem, I think so. Looking at looking at the preseason game versus the Chargers. I saw a quarterback in Garoppolo who lost confidence, who, who who has lost confidence, and his confidence has took a severe hit. But not only that, Garoppolo is also injury prone. And you guys know what I like to say. The best ability is availability. The best ability is availability. And, you know, being available is a part of ability. And Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, has struggled with that over the last couple seasons. So last year was hurt, had the severe ankle injury. His second, his second year, his first full year in San Francisco, he suffered a torn ACL. So when he's played and when he's been healthy, he's been fairly productive. But that's the thing. He's missed. He's like he, he barely plays. He's played one full season for the 49ers. One full season. First year he got there, he only played like five games. He went five and zero. We got you guys remember that he went five and zero or something like that. Four and one. Um, he had a you know a tremendous stretch, and that's when the 49ers paid him. Then his first full year as a night as a 49er, he got hurt. He tore his ACL. Then the third, then his second full year as the 49ers quarterback. He got to the Super Bowl, and then last year he got hurt again. So him playing has been has it's been very inconsistent. So, so you guys know my theory about Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan and that dynamic. I think Kyle Shanahan is his patience and his confidence with Jimmy Garoppolo is really low. I think it's low, and with Garoppolo. He, he I, I when I when I saw him in the preseason game, he looked like he lacked confidence, and I just wish, I just wish those scrimmages because we all saw the video of Derwin James picking off, and uh, you know taking it, you know pick six, Jimmy Garoppolo. We all saw that video. I wish those scrimmages, like I said, those scrimmages. I wish they were televised. I wish they were recorded because, or you can watch them somehow because those are taken more seriously. Believe it or not. Those scrimmages are taken more seriously than the actual preseason games. They're taken more seriously than the actual preseason games. 
And I think it's a better evaluation. It's a, it, I think it would be a better evaluation process, um, uh, you know, you know, looking at these quarterbacks and these players. But granted, you guys know my theory. I don't. I think Kyle Shanahan's patience is low with Kyle, with, with with Jimmy Garoppolo, and in in what I've been looking at throughout preseason, and with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo, it's the it's the it's the battle between floor and the ceiling, high floor, high ceiling. Garoppolo gives you a higher floor, like you know what you're getting in a in Garoppolo when healthy. He gives you a higher floor. But there's no absolute question that Trey Lance has a higher ceiling. His ceiling is higher. He gives you options that Garoppolo just can't give you. Athletically, with his arm, being able to play make, being able to extend plays, the ceiling is higher. Certainly, it's certainly higher with Trey Lance. But the floor... Garoppolo's floor, we know what it is, and he has a high floor. That's that 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 is what that's what this battle comes down to. Um, and once again, I, I talked about it a little bit when I first saw Trey Lance, but I saw it again versus, versus the Chargers. You know, he he and he re, he looked really good after that interception. Trey Lance looked really good. Once again, I would like to see him work on different types of throws. So like touch passes because every throw I see Trey Lance make, it's a it's a fastball. It, he, he he's throwing gas. It's a fastball, and it's it's in it, not every not every throw has to be as hard as you can throw it, or it doesn't have to be always a fastball. Put different arm angles, but put different touches on the ball. You know, give the ball a different type of velocity. <laughs> I think there, so I think he still needs to work on that because I, I continue to see that. But once again, I think this is a situation where Garoppolo has a higher floor, but Trey Lance undoubtedly has a higher ceiling. Um, and we'll see what the 49ers roll with. My gut feeling is telling me they're going to start Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to start Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think the margin for error. Um, obviously, if he gets hurt, Trey Lance was gonna have to come in, but the margin for error um, for, with with Garoppolo is 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 a bit short. Um, the leash is short, and maybe that's and one could argue maybe that's why his confidence has kind of gone down. But it's still it, it yeah this Garoppolo situation. His confidence has taken a big hit, and you know Trey Lance is right behind him. And I don't think the 49ers have any problems. If Garoppolo gets hurt, I think they'd be okay and comfortable with Trey Lance starting. That's just my opinion. Still, he he still got he still got some things to work on. I'm not saying he's gonna be a superstar day one. I'm not saying he's gonna be a superstar and tear up the league when he when he when he when he takes his first snap. And I'm not saying that. But Garopp, but Trey Lance undoubtedly has the higher ceiling. And he does things that Jimmy Garoppolo can only dream about. So we'll see how it translates and how it plays out in San Francisco. But the 49ers are a team that's ready to win now. They're ready to win now. They are a Super Bowl caliber team. They got studs on defense. They got they got a, a, a really solid offensive line, a, a, a offensive mastermind as far as a play call of, with Kyle Shanahan. And then the offensive personnel as far as the skill positions are really good. 
The 49ers are a Super Bowl team, and they're ready to win right now. Simple as that. Okay, so we're about 20, about 25 minutes into the episode. <clears throat> I'm going to transition to uh, a team that I talk a lot about, um, and I, I have a, some high expectations for this year. Um, the L.A. Rams. I want to talk about the L.A. Rams uh, because Matthew Stafford, obviously the big-time blockbuster trade, the Rams went out and traded for Matthew Stafford. Um, they, you know, we all know about the situation. You guys have heard my soliloquy and my comments about uh, the, 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 you know, Jared Goff and Sean McVay and how that relationship, how Sean McVay just lost complete trust and Jared Goff in executing some complex plays as far as uh, throwing the ball down the field and trying to stretch out the defense. Um, so that's so we've already touched on that, uh, that part. But I think I think Matthew Stafford is probably the player that's under the most pressure this year. I, I think he is. I think Matthew Stafford is probably the player, the most, the player that's under the most pressure this year. I do. Um, I know some people probably say Aaron Rodgers. I don't know why, but I, I hear a lot of people say Aaron Rodgers under a lot of pressure. And I get it. He, like, he got to stay healthy and play well. But I think this is, this is Matthew Stafford. This is supposed to be Matthew Stafford's year. This is supposed to be the year where Matthew Stafford finally has a great supporting cast around him, uh, a supporting cast better than ever. But I, with with that being said, and with all of those high expectations, that's why I think he has the most pressure. I think he's. I think I'm not gonna say easily, but it's very hard for me to pick out another player, especially looking at the position that Matthew Stafford plays. He's the quarterback. He's the quarterback. Mind you, Jared Goff, granted, Sean McVay lost trust in Jared Goff. That was clear. That was clear that Sean McVay lost trust in Jared Goff. But Jared Goff was a guy that won playoff games. Jared Goff got to the Super Bowl. So with Stafford, we, you know, uh, I think we, I think most of us, most of us would agree that Stafford is a superior talent and probably have a higher ceiling. With that, the expectations are going to be super high. And like I said, I just, it's just very hard for me to think of a player or a just a litany of players that have more or just as much pressure pressure than Matthew Stafford. Um. Stafford and this Rams team it's it's built really well. It's a really good football team. Uh they had num- they had the number one um ranked defense last year. They probably take a couple steps back cuz they lost some players in the secondary. Obviously they lost their DC um and 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 and, Brian, and Brandon Staley cuz he's now the Chargers new coach. So defense is still going to be pretty good. I don't know if it's going to be the best but they're going to be a – I think they're still going to be an elite group. They have, they have talent all over the place. Obviously, you know, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, those guys are phenomenal and arguably the best at their position. Aaron Donald's probably the best football player in general, but then you can make a strong case that Ramsey is the best DB. And you look at what they have on offense, 
mixed in with the offensive mastermind and genius that Sean McVay is. If you if Matthew Stafford plays how the way we all know he's accustomed to playing, um, this team is going to be in the thick of the conversation. Uh, my thing is with the Rams, first, they had injuries at the running back position. Cam Akers, who had a really good rookie season, got hurt in training camp, and the Rams are kind of suffering at the one at the running back position. And they went out and made a trade for Sony Michelle, formerly the Patriots running back um, from Georgia. I think they may have reached. Think they were, think there was a point where they were desperate. I feel like they were. I feel like they were a bit desperate um, to you know for, to get to get Sony Michelle. I, I, they kind of gave up a little too much, in my opinion. But I think it just shows how desperate they were and how they were lacking, how much they were lacking depth at the running back position and that's going to be the that's going to be the that's going to be one of the factors that I pay attention to with the Rams because they they have become a team that they're very top heavy now granted the draft picks the guys that they have drafted they have hit but they're top heavy the Rams are top heavy as hell you know Ramsey Donald you know any key player that gets hurt um or that could suffer an injury um that's going to be important to see how the Rams are able to handle that due to the fact that their depth is not as strong as it once was maybe three, maybe two, three years ago. You know, the depth, the depth that they had two, three years ago isn't there because they're paying a lot of their top guys. Ramsey, Don, like I said, Ramsey, Donald, Cooper Cup, you know, obviously Matthew Stafford, he's, he's getting a pretty good salary and so forth. So, you know, this this is this is this is the this is like the you know pick your poison in the NFL you know you you got a lot of you got a lot of elite players you have a lot of, you have a lot of really good players you got to pay them um and that's what that's the point where the Rams are at now I think they're Super Bowl obviously they're a Super Bowl contender I think like I said you know as long as Matthew Stafford can stay healthy um and you know they have their their you know their key their core group intact. The Rams are going to be a Super Bowl contender, um, but I, like I said, I don't know if you can name any other player in the NFL who probably has more pressure or just as much pressure as Matthew Stafford. I, I just, for me, it's I struggle to find one. Um, obviously, these rookie quarterbacks are going to have a lot of pressure, but for a guy like Matthew Stafford, talent where a lot of people, including myself, re, we we rave about his talent and how talented he is. Talent has never been the question with Matthew Stafford. Like Stafford was number one quarterback coming out of college. I mean, coming out of high school, he was number one. He was number one quarterback in college. He was number one draft pick, you know, in the NFL draft. Like, so talent has never been the issue. You know, there's been, obviously he went to the, the lions where the lions are there. There, they're in a state, they have been in a state of destitute in the last like 20 plus years. So granted, a lot of people give Matthew Stafford some leadway because the support, you look at the supporting cast most years, it wasn't great. You know, obviously he had Calvin Johnson, but one player isn't just enough um, in the National Football League, especially for your quarterback to have results as far as the win-loss column. So 
a lot of people rave about Matthew Stafford talent. And a lot of people that are high on Matthew Stafford have probably dreamed for him to have a really good roster, a roster that is, you know, that the Rams have right now, the caliber of the Rams. A lot of people have probably prayed and dreamed for the fact that, you know, for the day where they wanted to see Matthew Stafford on a team that's actually contending and that's actually going to be playing some meaningful and significant football games. Okay. This is the year for Matthew Stafford to do that and prove that. This is the year for Matthew Stafford to show how good he is. This is the year. This is the year. And that's why I say I don't really know. I can't. I just can't name a bunch of I, – I just can't name a bunch of guys that have as much pressure or just as much pressure than Matthew Stafford this year. And, you know, given the position that he plays, you know – it's really not a lot of guys. So we'll see how we'll see what happens with Matthew Stafford. I think he is an upgrade. I think he's going to work in with the, I think he's going to work with the Rams. And I think the Rams are going to be right there in the thick of things. I think the Rams are arguably the second best team in the NFC behind the Buccaneers. I think they're arguably the second best team. Um, so we'll see how it translates. We'll see how it plays out. But you guys tell me. Is there any is there is there just a bunch of players? Maybe you can name a player or two that are that have as much pressure um than that you know than Matthew Stafford. But they're like Matthew Stafford, he's pretty high up there, high up on my list as far as players who have the most pressure going into the season. And I think Matthew Stafford is number one. And it's not a bad thing. It's just that he, he, you know, there's high expectations, you know, high stake. The, the, he's going to be put in a lot of high stake moments. It's not, I'm not. It's not. It's nothing wrong with having a lot of pressure. That because that means there's high expectations. So we'll see. But I think Matthew Stafford is probably number one on my list for players who have the most pressure going into this 2021 football season. So we're getting closer and closer down the stretch of the regular season of the, of the MLB season. And boy, oh boy, um, I, you know what I found interesting? You know what I find interesting? Um, because I was looking, I was really, really looking at the wild card race um, in both leagues, right? Uh, the Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees are on an amazing run right now. Seems like after acquisitions especially the Joey Gallo acquisition major for them because for some reason the 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 Yankees bats early on the first half of the season was not looking good they they just couldn't hit the ball and the type like the offensive production was just was just concerned like it was just really low um for a team that got some really good bats it was just low and they got the Joey Gallo addition along with Anthony Rizzo has really helped the Yankees and they find themselves at the they they have the first wild card spot um not completely locked but they're three games ahead of the Red Sox as of right now and they're only four they're only they're only four games back of the Tampa Bay Rays they probably won't catch the Rays but the fact that they have found themselves back in the mix um and now have the top wild card spot it's a pretty good sign for the Yankees 
they're 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 getting it going. They're clicking at the right time. But I'm looking at the I'm looking at the National League. So the Padres, a lot of people had. I mean, a lot of people had the Padres possibly making the World Series this year. A lot of people thought the Padres were going to win the pennant. The Padres have lost. You know, they're still in the wild card race. But this is what I this is what I find funny. They have lost. 11 out of 13 games. Slam Diego, right? Slam Diego, the Padres. Granted, they've had some injuries to their rotation, um, which which could be very detrimental in the bats of their Scott Code um, as, as of late. But so those two things, those two variables don't correlate, you know, they don't correlate really well. You're not going to have a good result when you're missing, you know, a majority, almost what? Almost, I think they're missing damn near half of their rotation and as far as pitching group and um the bats have just gotten cold that that never that's never a good sign but nevertheless there's 16 games so they're 14 they're like they're 14 games back from the Dodgers the Dodgers are only two and a half games back from the San Francisco Giants let's just say the Giants win the NL West. The Dodgers get the first wild card spot, and the Padres find a way to get the first to get the second wild card spot. The Padres, I just don't like. I just don't like because I don't like that because there's literally there could literally be almost a twenty game difference. And in a wild card scenario, if you if we were to have the Dodgers and Padres, it's a one game, one and you're done win or you're go win or go home type of scenario. And I, I I don't know, just looking at the game, the amount of games back that the Padres are, or I should say, yes, that the Padres are from um that they're back from the Dodgers, kinda uh it kind of makes me feel a type of way uh, about the format. Now, the Padres, they would need some help from Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Reds would have to drop a couple games. They would have to drop a few games for the Padres to really get full control. But that's neither here or there. Um, so two teams that I mentioned uh, already early in the episode, uh, they um, they announced their starting quarterback positions. Uh, I want to talk about the Bears first, and then we get to the Broncos. The Bears announced Matt Nagy and the Bears. They announced that Andy Dalton will be their Week One starter. Uh, Justin Fields, rookie quarterback, uh, highly talked about. He's going to be QB two. I'm going to tell you this: over the last several years, Matt Nagy, um, especially the especially these past two years, granted. With Mitchell Trubisky as his quarterback, Matt Nagy has managed to win to have a ten plus. What he's had two eight and eight seasons. Matt Nagy's had two eight and eight seasons, and I think he had a twelve and four season. Yeah, he had a twelve and four season. Um, as as the first as the first year head coach, and his last two years he's been eight and eight. So he's had he's had a twenty eight and twenty record, with basically Mitch Trubisky being his quarterback for most of those games. 
Now, granted, like I said, Mitch Trubisky has gotten his act together and the Buffalo coaching staff and their scheme and offensively and what they're doing seems like it better suits his play style. Trubisky, not Trubisky, McNaggy is trying to, I, I don't know what he's trying to do, but the 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 pocket passing game for the Bears is not effective at all. And when you got and when you have a subpar offensive line and a guy in Andy Dalton who's not as mobile as he used to be, so he can't extend plays, I think Matt Nagy is a really good offensive mind. But you can't draw up these exotic plays and you know routes. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't draw up these exotic and creative plays when your personnel when you don't have the correct personnel. And I think that's been that Matt, I think that's been Matt Nagy's problem as far as offensively. Cause even with Nick Foles last year, Nick Foles is a pure pocket passer. He's a pocket passer, but the bears offensive line is subpar at best. It's mediocre at best. And Nag and Matt Nagy would try to draw up these exotic plays that would take time to develop but you don't have the but you don't have the offensive line personnel to do that, so I'm really interested to see. I'm gonna give it a shot because uh, I because I like Matt Nagy. I think he comes for the Andy Reid coaching tree. I think he's a good offensive mind. But let's see what what type of let's see what Chicago looks like with Andy Dalton under center. But me personally, looking at Chicago's offensive personnel, it's not nothing spectacular. It's nothing spectacular. And I look at Danny Dalton, his numbers weren't bad last year, but he had a better offensive line in Dallas. He had better receivers in Dallas. And the result was, uh, he was meh. He was mid. He he, he like it, it, he didn't play horribly, but he didn't play great either. He could have played much better with the supporting cast that he had in Dallas. At the tail end of the season, did he start to play a little bit better? Yeah, but Chicago doesn't have nearly the talent at the skill positions that the Dallas Cowboys had. And Andy Dalton looked meh. He looked mid. He looked average with the Cowboys supporting cast. So with Chicago, who has a below average offensive line at best, or an average offensive line at best, and for a team like Chicago, where outside of Allen Robinson, there isn't really, there's not, there like there's a lot of they have a lot of young pass catchers. Uh, I don't know, I don't know. I feel like Justin Fields give you more of an ability to do more offensively. We'll see how it works. I'm not sure how long Andy Dalton will be the starter, though. And then the Denver Broncos, as I mentioned, Vic Vangio, he decides to go with Teddy Bridgewater as the week one starter over third-year quarterback Drew Locke. Um, Drew Locke, in only 18 starts, um, the Broncos decided to go after Teddy Bridgewater, who is – decent he's a placeholder he's a bridge quarterback he's not anybody that you want to build your roster around he's not going to be this elite playmaker but teddy is efficient teddy is not going to lose you games but he's not going to 
overwow you and he's not going to win you a lot of games either. But looking at Denver, Denver, you know, they, they're like offensively, Denver has a lot of playmakers. They just got to, they got to find somebody at the quarterback position that can get them the ball. And with, and with Drew Locke, you know what I see? I see a guy who first his, his, his biggest problem is his accuracy. Drew Locke is a talented guy. He's a talented quarterback, like his arm talent, his arm strength. You know, how many, you know, how many, but how many times have you heard that about a quarterback? How many times have you heard that about a quarterback where the talent is good, but there's some intangible things that just don't click and add up. And that's what, that's often what, you know, makes them fail. And with, and, and with, with, with Drew Locke, 50 of 58, a 59 completion percentage, it's just not going to get it done. A completion percentage of 59%, it's just not going to get it done. I actually feel I, I found this cool stat. Don't you know 58 of percent, 58% of Jerry Judy's targets last year were deemed uncatchable? So almost, so not almost, more than half of Jerry Judy's targets were deemed uncatchable. Granted, Drew Locke didn't play the whole season, and that's not all Drew Locke. But Drew Locke, and it feeds right into his inaccuracy and his biggest weakness, his biggest knock. So I don't know. I think it's quite telling that the Broncos decided to go with Teddy Bridgewater. Once again, I like Teddy. He's a good guy, good locker room guy, really mature guy, has been around the league. Um, like I said, he's efficient. He's not. He's going to be accurate for the most part. He's not going to lose you games, but he's not going to win you games either. So don't expect for him to, you know, light it up offensively and set the world on fire. But Carolina let him walk, and they 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 decided to go with Sam Donald. So there, so so there's a, there's some limitations there with Teddy Bridgewater, as far as what you can do offensively. There's limitations certainly. So, excuse me. I think it says a lot that Denver and Vic Dangio decided to go with Teddy, given the fact that Drew Locke, you know, is a better quote unquote talent. But it's the intangible things that Teddy Bridgewater brings that probably gave the edge to Teddy. And like I said, Bron the Denver Broncos, they their defense is going to be solid. They got to find somebody under center who can get the ball to the playmakers. And like I said, Teddy, not going to wow you with his arm strength. He's not going to do anything crazy. He's not, he, he has limitations, but he's not going to lose you games. And I don't think he's going to have a completion percentage of 59%. And with Drew Locke, I see a guy who plays too casual, you know, too cool for school, you know. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not saying you, you can't have any swagger. I think there's a difference. I, there's a, I think there's a distinct difference between swagger, a player having a type of like a swagger to their game, and just casual and trying to be cool. And with Drew Locke, I think he got a little bit of swagger, but I think he tries to be too cool at times. And I see it too much. So it says a lot, but I'm going to wrap this episode up. Uh, Saturday episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, I will be back with my regular schedule <laughs> as planned. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Once again, always remember, two choices, one decision. 
Um, enjoy college football is on, you know, coming on this weekend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Um, stay safe. I hope you guys stay well. And peace, deuces. I'm out.